Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. This is episode number one, and when I was brainstorming for the name of this podcast, a few ideas came to mind before Bitcoin Sermons. But ultimately, I wanted a name that is pretty clear about what this is about. And so I thought, okay, my goal is twofold. On the one hand, to show Bitcoiners just how much the Bible says about Bitcoin. And on the other hand, to encourage Christians to accept Bitcoin. And, um, and this is really born out of my own experience um, as I have learned these things that I'm going to share with you, I have just been overwhelmed. And this is just an overflowing of my heart. But basically, I just want you to understand that this is, I'm sharing this because this is really on my heart. And I don't feel like there's enough attention on this subject. I've spent many years studying the Bible with others. And since I learned about Bitcoin, I've just been astounded at how Bitcoin is related to the message of the Bible. So, you know, there's a little problem, though, that both Bitcoiners and Christians both have, and that's the echo chamber problem. <laughs> okay, Bitcoiners know that problem very well, but actually Christians do too, because it's so easy to get comfortable with people that have the same kind of beliefs and who see the world the same way, and to just kind of, you know, bounce ideas back and forth. But it's a lot harder to kind of break out of that comfort zone and to share the things that you're convicted about, uh, to find the common ground with other people who are on a completely different page, and to uh, find a way to communicate the things that are, uh, you know, that are uh, so true to you uh, with others and to open their eyes to see something that is uh, maybe completely, um, you know, completely foreign to them at that time. And so I'm hoping that this podcast uh, helps break out of both echo chambers in a sense. So back to the title of the podcast. Um, so I said to myself, uh, no, 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 no. We can't have Bitcoin sermons as the title because then the initials would be BS. And I can't have a meaningful show that's called BS. <laughs> but actually, the more I thought about it, I realized that it's not such a bad approach if it's if it's used in the right way. And And, and the reason is because my personal experience as I've been sort of developing these ideas, um, it, it's been, it's been a, a journey of every time I go and study the Bible, um, and this is still true, um, every time I look at the connection between Bitcoin and the Bible, I ask myself, is 
this really true what I'm seeing? Is this really a connection? Or is it just BS? You know, um, it's kind of a common phenomenon that any solution to a, to a big problem uh, can be sort of cast in the, the light or in the terminology of, of uh, you know, of, of salvation, of, of, you know, a savior. Any solution that comes to solve a problem is, is like the savior coming to save the world, you know. And so comparisons like that abound. Um, it's not just Bitcoin, you know, that, that, you know, that experiences that. There are similar memes about all kinds of things in the world. Um, you know, any salesman, for example, knows that basically his goal is to show the people how much they need his product and to present it as the solution to their problems. It's, it's kind of the same thing. It's, you know, he is bringing salvation, so to speak, in this realm to the customers. So, you know, and this, this just applies in so many different aspects. So is this just yet another one where Bitcoin is just can be compared just because of the fact that, yes, it is a new solution that solves uh, longstanding problems that affect virtually everyone? Is that the only reason why there seems to be a comparison between Bitcoin and the Bible? Um, or is there really something more to it? Did Jesus really speak about Bitcoin? Did the does the Bible really or did the Bible really prophesy that Bitcoin would come? And these are questions that I ask myself in every aspect when I'm looking at the connections here. Is this really a connection or is it just BS? And so having the title with the initials BS asks or begs the question um, in every episode, essentially, is this a Bitcoin sermon or is this BS? Okay. And I'm going to let that be the question for you on every episode. So at the end of the episode, I'm going to ask you simply, was this a Bitcoin sermon or was it just BS? And then and uh, and uh, I'll be looking forward to your opinion on it in, in, in the feedback. And, and, and we're just starting out here. OK, so if um, if this gains some traction and if there's a lot of positive feedback, then um, maybe we can uh, take a poll or something and come up with a, a better name for the for the podcast going forward. OK, so uh, we'll leave that open. But. Uh, for now, let's just let it be a question. Yeah, so I want to take uh, that point as an illustration um, because Bitcoiners have this mantra, if you will, don't trust, verify. And that's actually a biblical principle. And um, every good pastor, even some that are not so good, but certainly every good pastor encourages or insists that what he says, the listeners go and check against the Bible to make sure that it's really true. Don't just take his word for it. Don't, you know. And so, in other words, don't trust, verify. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Christians have gone astray and are, you know, many are totally misled uh, just because 
they take the pastor's words as, you know, absolute gospel. And they don't go back to the gospel itself, the Bible itself, and verify what the pastor is saying. And instead, they just follow what he says and, uh, and don't, don't, uh, don't prove it. And so um, we don't want to go down that path. And, uh, you know, and Bitcoin really illustrates how disastrous that can be or that is if you don't actually verify um, because then, uh, in the Bitcoin sense, then you end up with a, a fiat-like system where, after a while, you just don't know what the truth is anymore. Um, you've just got so much debt floating around and so many bubbles, and uh, you don't know where what the financial truth really is. So um, it just becomes this big house of cards, and, you know, you're, you know, you're just waiting for the day that it comes crashing down. And we don't want uh, religion to be like that. Unfortunately, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of religion has become like that. But um, we don't want to go down that path. Um, and, and, and where there are house of cards, we want to bring those down because we want to get to the solid truth. Okay. And that's what we want to build on. So we're actually going to open the Bible um, in this podcast and, uh, you know, and we're going to check the things out and see if the Bible really does say what, uh, what I'm suggesting that it does uh, or what I'm saying that it does. And so let's just start with this, this exact point, you know, don't, don't trust, verify is this really a biblical principle? Do we have a Bible verse that actually corroborates that? And, uh, you know, the answer is yes, we do. The verse in particular, the, you know, what I think is probably the clearest verse um, is in the book of Acts, chapter 17 and verse 11. So um, let's just turn there right now. If you don't have a Bible, you can easily find any uh, Bible app uh, for your phone. And, um, you know, that'll be, that'll provide you with uh, everything you need. So Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. So I'm just going to read that. Okay, so these were referring to the Bereans, the Christians in Berea, okay, in the town of Berea. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So it says that they searched the scriptures daily, those in Berea, to, to verify whether those things were so, the things that the disciples were teaching them. And so there it is. That's the principle of don't trust verify. And um, I just want to point out, though, I mean, I I love this verse because it sets the tone. It it shows the attitude of those uh, who were in Berea, who it says that they, it doesn't just say that they, uh, they were more noble because they were more skeptical and they proved every word of the disciples to make sure that they weren't lying to them. No, no, no. Um, it says that they, it says these were more noble 
in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So they were, they were receptive, and that's what made them at least partly more noble. And they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And so, you know, this really conveys the, the attitude that, that I perceive among Bitcoiners as well. You know, when Bitcoiners say, don't trust, verify, they don't mean uh, to, to be, you know, super skeptical and assume that every uh, transaction is, is, is an attempt to, uh, you know, to uh, break the system and that every participant, participant is a bad actor and that the world is a horrible place. No, no, no. Um, you know, uh, Bitcoiners are very positive, at least this has been my experience, and, uh, and very optimistic and welcoming and, um, and uh, thinking the best and receptive of, of newcomers and, and, you know, things like that. And so, um, you know, and if you look at it just from the, the node perspective as well, you know, uh, if you want to connect to the network, uh, there are nodes out there. They have open ports, and you can connect, and and uh, the node is open. The mempool is open to receive transactions. Uh, there's, uh, you know, so it's a very uh, welcoming, a very receptive uh, system, and this is this is the attitude that's presented in uh, the Bible of the the noble ones in Berea that they welcomed the word of the disciples, but. They didn't. They weren't satisfied just to hear the truth and believe it. Okay, they wanted. They they had readiness of mind. Um, In other words, they wanted to see for themselves how the scriptures proved the word of the disciples. Okay, they wanted to verify for their own enrichment because of their own love for the truth. And this is how, you know, so, you know, Bitcoin nodes are open, they receive transactions, and then they go back to the blockchain and they go through and they want to verify where, uh, verify the, the chain of truths, you know, from UTXO to UTXO to prove that this transaction to, is actually true and valid. And so that's what, we, as uh, people who want to have a love for the truth, or people who have a love for the truth, want to do with the Bible whenever we hear something. And so that's what the Bereans did when they heard the, the things about Jesus, they heard the, the, the gospel message. They wanted to see in the scriptures, which for them was the Old Testament, they wanted to see how the Old Testament uh, actually prophesied and proved that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, so I think that's just utterly amazing. And uh, now um, I want to take you to another example. And in this case, um, I want to go to the Old Testament and um, in particular in the book of Ezekiel. And you can find um, sort of similar discussions about shepherds in a couple of different places in, in the Old Testament and the Bible. But um, there's a, an entire chapter in Ezekiel that talks about the shepherds. And this is Ezekiel chapter 34. 
And this goes along the lines of the comparison I made earlier about, you know, the pastors who should encourage their followers to verify the things that they say. And um, pastors are uh, often compared to shepherds in the Bible. In fact, the word pastor is uh, actually related to the word shepherd in many languages. Um, many languages, it's the same word. So um, it, the concept of what a, a shepherd does and what a pastor does is virtually the same. It's, you know, and that's why Jesus is called the good shepherd who pastors his sheep, so to speak. And so um, this really falls in line with the idea of that pastors need to uh, be caring for their sheep. And part of that includes making sure that the spiritual food, the truth that they are teaching them, is actually true. Okay, it's actually good spiritual food. And what we're going to find in this chapter, um, Ezekiel 34, is that a comparison is made between, not just between the shepherds and the, the leaders of Israel, but underlying this or sort of woven in this comparison is the, the recognition or the assumption even that the flocks are the wealth of the pastors. So in ancient times, or um, uh, even to some degree today, I mean, if you've ever uh, been on a farm or, or uh, you know, it's the wealth of the farm is the animals themselves. And the more they are cared for, and the more they are sort of fattened up and, and, and more valuable uh, for meat or for for wool or uh, for whatever the, the animals are, are, are uh, used for, milk or, or whatever, um, the, the healthier the animals are, the wealthier the owner is. And, you know, you, you remember, you know, Abraham and Isaac, they were very wealthy because they had many flocks and herds. Okay. So caring for the animals in this case is is we're talking about matters of wealth here and this i think is especially important as we uh, bring bitcoin into comparison uh, in this situation because bitcoin is about wealth and you know so um so keep that in mind that that when we're talking about the flocks we're talking about the wealth of the of the nation and, and and of the shepherds themselves okay so ezekiel chapter 34 and the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man prophesy against the shepherds of israel prophesy and say unto them thus saith the lord god unto the shepherds woe be to the shepherds of israel that do feed themselves should not the shepherds feed the flocks Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. So right here in the first couple of verses, it's, it's really emphasizing the main complaint that God has against the shepherds, against the leaders of the people. 
and that's that they feed themselves, but not the flock. Okay, now uh, they they benefit from the the animals, whether it's with the milk that makes them fat, the the butter, the the cream, the you know all the good things that that come from the animals. Uh, they clothe themselves with the wool, so they are uh, you know well taken care of. But they're not taking care of the animals. They're not taking care of the ones that are providing for them. And so if you, if you look at this in comparison to society, um, you have leaders of nations and you have uh, sort of the working class, right? So that would be like uh, the shepherds versus the animals, uh, say. And, uh, and when you have the leading class, benefiting and being well-fed, you know, fat and uh, well-nourished and well-clothed and having uh, huge houses and all the luxuries of life. And then you have the working class that is uh, struggling to, uh, to take care of themselves. Then that's the discrepancy that's being brought to attention here in this chapter. Okay. And the diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered, because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered." So here we have uh, protection being brought into the picture. Okay, it says that the, the 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 flocks were scattered because they didn't have a shepherd, and in this sense, it means a shepherd in the sense of protecting one who uh, would look after and uh, make sure that the the animals were in a safe place and that the wild animals were driven away. Um, and this represents, in the, in the context of society, this represents the protection that governments afford, that the leaders of nations uh, or, or, or cities or, you know, or towns, you know, the laws and the, in order to protect the citizens. In the context of society now, this is speaking about the leaders of towns and, and, and cities and nations not doing what they should to protect their citizens. Okay. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely, because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. I just want to pause for a moment there. One, uh, one more point that comes out here in regards to the wild animals uh, scattering and uh, taking advantage, eating the flock, is, uh, you know, this refers to, you know, in the comparison with society, this refers to those, uh, you know, evil people who take advantage, who rob, who steal, who uh, swindle, who, um, you know, scam, you know, who take the wealth of 
you know, unsuspecting or, or innocent people um, through means that are nefarious in, in one way or another. Those are the, the wild animals that take advantage of the, of the flocks in this sense. Okay, So because of that, also, in addition to the fact that the shepherds were not feeding the flocks, is why the Lord is speaking against the shepherds now. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. So here we have the judgment that is pronounced upon the shepherds. It says that that God will remove them from being shepherds. That means that those who are in charge of the finances of a nation, for example, they will be removed from that position. This is the decree that God has decreed in that sense. Is that not what we see with the emergence of Bitcoin or what we foresee, I should say, is that as Bitcoin grows, uh, the, the, the Janet Yellens of the world, the, the Fed chair, the, you know, all these guys that are in charge of the finances of, the wor- of, of nations and of the world, they are going to be removed from their position. They'll be obsoleted simply. Okay? And they won't be in the position of, of feeding the flocks anymore. And uh, secondly, he says that um, neither shall they feed themselves anymore of the flock. And so he's going, the Lord is saying that he's going to make it so that they can no longer take advantage of the people. And this is what Bitcoin enables, it provides, it does. Because when you put your money in Bitcoin and you hold the keys to your coins, then nobody can take them from you by force. So the leaders of the nations, they can no longer take advantage of you unless you allow it, okay? And so that's what Bitcoin does is exactly what the Bible here in the Old Testament foretold that God would do to the shepherds who take advantage of the flocks. Okay, and yeah... And uh, one other point I wanted to make here. It says, I will require my flock at their hand. In other words, he will, uh, he will, re- it's an expression that means that, that the cost, the damages to the flock, he is going to require, he's going to take from those shepherds. So in other words, all the, the wealth that, the shepherds had taken from the flock, all the, the, you know, that's going to be taken away from the shepherds. It will be required from them, okay? And that, of course, in the context of the financial uh, world, that means that those leaders who, those who are leaders now of, of, of the financial system, those who are rich and wealthy in fiat terms, they will become poor. Their wealth will be taken away that's the decree of God in this verse. Okay, for thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. 
so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Yeah. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost, and bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up that which was broken, and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong, I will feed them with judgment. So, um, here it's talking about the, well, it says it right there in the word judgment. This is what it's about, okay? Whether we're talking about exacting from the wicked shepherds the cost, the damages in in that they have taken advantage of the sheep, or whether uh, we're speaking about the restitution that's being given to uh, the sheep, okay? It's about judgment. It's about justice, okay? And that's what Bitcoin brings in the financial sense. It brings justice. And this is a good thing for those who have been treated unjustly because now they will have what they deserve. But for those who... Uh, were formerly taking advantage of others, the justice comes as a sort of as a punishment to them. So it's a it's a it's a two-edged sword, and uh, on the one hand, it's a blessing to those who need it, and on the other hand, it's it's a curse to those who are in the wrong. So judgment is what it's about, justice. And as for you, O my flock, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I judge between cattle and cattle, between rams and the he-goats. So here now it transitions and it starts to speak not about the shepherds versus the flock, but about the flock versus the flock. Okay? Because justice is not just between the rich and the and the poor, the, the, the leaders of the nations of the financial world. Uh, versus the working class, for example. Okay, it's not just about that. It's also every. It's it's at every level. Okay. Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture, but you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures, and to have drunk of the deep waters, but you must foul the residue with your feet. So he's talking now. If if you've ever been on a you know on a farm or seen uh, how the animals behave, you know the stronger animals they just get in there and push out all the all the weaker animals and they eat first. Okay, they eat the best food. All right, and then once they're done and satisfied, you know, then they they kind of uh, just allow the others to you know come in and eat as well. But you know as they're as they're eating and going about their thing, the strong animals, they don't care about the others. They, they aren't thinking, oh, I'm going to save some for, you know, for, for the others. They just eat 
their full, their fill, and uh, they they will trample, they will poop all over the food. You know, they will uh, dirty the water um, while they're you know going about their eating and drinking, and they they give no thought towards the others. Okay, that still haven't eaten yet because they're weaker, and you know, and so. So this is speaking now, the Lord is speaking that he will bring justice even among the flock. And he's teaching that, you know, those who are stronger need to be mindful of those who are weaker. So, for example, you know, there are, you know, many uh, successful uh, entrepreneurs or, or successful businesses or corporations that have that have uh, managed to uh, do well, even uh, in spite of the the overall oppression of the fiat financial system, okay? And, um, you know, they may not be in a position of leadership as, you know, a shepherd, so to speak, but they are stronger, uh, like the uh, strong of the flock. And, you know, these are the ones then that can, that that need to be mindful of of uh, allowing the the food, the provisions to, uh, to suffice for everyone. Yes, uh, you know, they, they are fed from, from uh, you know, the, the world's resources, but they also need to be good stewards and, uh, you know, not waste. Make sure that the weaker are able to, uh, to also get uh, to benefit from the food that's available. So, um, in the financial sense, to make sure that, um, you know, that, that there's money to go around to support uh, the worthy, uh, uh, the worthy who are maybe not as uh, well positioned, okay? And as for my flock, they have, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink that which ye have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between fat cattle and between the lean cattle, because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder, and pushed all the diseased with your horns, till ye have scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle, and I will set up uh, one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David, he shall feed them and he shall be their their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Okay, so here here we have the clear uh, biblical prophecy of Jesus Christ, of the, the Messiah, of the shepherd, all right, the good shepherd. And, uh, but I don't want to gloss over uh, this point about judging between the cattle and the cattle, that that some uh, that that the the weaker were basically having to eat the scraps that were dirtied and 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 fouled, okay, and um, and the the system of justice that God is proclaiming here that comes with Jesus Christ is a system that administers justice not only between the the rulers and the people, but between the people and the people. And again, this is what Bitcoin does as a financial system. Okay, so even, you know, taking rulers out of the equation, 
even just from person to person, from uh, the way that the system works, the way that Bitcoin works is one person cannot take advantage of the other against their will, okay? And, it, you know, everyone is on an equal footing. And that's the, the point. Now, it doesn't mean that some people won't take advantage of other people. Okay, there will always be scammers, but, you know, and you just have to be wise to that. But it makes it possible. This is the point. It puts the keys in the hands of, of those uh, to whom uh, the money belongs. And this, this is what makes it possible, what makes justice, what enforces justice uh, between the people, because there's no more, um, there's no more excuse for why somebody else is, is oppressing you or taking advantage of you. If you're paying a high price for goods or services, it's because you're choosing to. If, if, if somebody scams you out of money, it's because you were scammed. Okay. So the responsibility is on you to, um, to, to exercise good discernment, all right? But the system itself provides the justice, okay? So that you can be protected, you can protect yourself, even if you are weak. And that's a topic we'll get into more later. Well, just to touch on it, you know, Bitcoin, you know, it doesn't matter how weak or strong you are. You hold your private keys and it doesn't take a, a physical strength to be able to protect your private key. Um, and so even the weak have, have equal footing in Bitcoin in order to protect their wealth. Okay. And this is how Bitcoin brings the, the very justice that the Bible is speaking about here in the Old Testament. And I will make with them a covenant of peace and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land and they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. This is, yeah, so causing the evil beasts to cease out of the land. This is, obviously, this is a picture of heaven, ultimately, okay? Uh, the, the, the total safety, sleeping in the woods uh, with no fear of, of wild animals, um, but in, in the context of Bitcoin, I want to point out that, you know, Bitcoin has incentives that are subtle. Okay. And, um, this is one thing that many people don't see, but many people do see also, but it's very hard to kind of put your finger on. And that's what will Bitcoin do to society as a whole when it reaches widespread adoption? Okay, and and over the long term. So when bad people realize that they can't just take your money like they used to, when a pick pick uh, when a pickpocketer uh, comes and uh, you you know you know he can no longer benefit from taking your wallet out of your pocket because he can't access the coins because he doesn't have the key, uh, then what's his incentive to keep on pickpocketing? There there is none. And so there's obviously going to cease to be pickpocketers in the future if, uh, you know, when uh, Bitcoin is, is adopted widespread. And so that's an example of how this prophecy, how Bitcoin aligns with this prophecy that I will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. That's how the incentives of Bitcoin 
align with the kingdom of God, okay, with the kingdom of heaven that's described in this verse. And I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing, and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessing. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those that served themselves of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land, neither shall bear the shame of the heathen any more. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them, and that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, saith the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, saith the Lord God. So it speaks of the abundance and of the blessing that God is going to bring to his people in this context. And when we put this in the context of Bitcoin, then it becomes clear that when you invest in Bitcoin and, uh, you know, if you watch uh, Bitcoiners speak about this, then you you know that um, that as the world transitions to the Bitcoin standard, Bitcoin will become more and more valuable. And so whatever uh, you earn and save in Bitcoin uh, over the long term uh, is going to increase in value and you will become wealthier just by the mere fact of storing your time and effort in the form of Bitcoin instead in, in comparison to any fiat uh, currency or other assets. And so that is the, the blessing and the increase that it speaks of here. And uh, I just think it's utterly amazing that, uh, that such a, a clear parallel exists and I believe that it's not just a parallel. I believe that Bitcoin is actually a, a tool, a means, a, a gift that God has given at this time. I think earlier in this chapter we read about the time of clouds and storms, okay, when the when the when the, the sheep were, were scattered. Okay. And right now in the world, we are in a time of clouds and storms, if there ever was one. Okay, what's going on in the world on all kinds of fronts is just utterly dark. And at such a time as this, God has given us Bitcoin. I, I believe God has given us Bitcoin. And it's a system that aligns in its principles, in its incentives, in its effects with all that God has prophesied in his word. Um, and we've just covered an entire chapter, the chapter of Ezekiel 34, and have seen how true that is. And I believe that's more than just a comparison. I believe that Bitcoin is God's money. All right. And ultimately, uh, this comparison between uh, the animals of the flock and the uh, the real world is validated uh, and made absolutely clear right here in the very last verse uh, where it says, And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, 
are men, and I am your God. So he's saying, look, after after talking about all this with the sheep and with the wealth, remember that the sheep represent wealth, the, the flocks, the herds, they represent the wealth of the world. Okay? And he says, or at least of uh of the kingdom of, of, of God's people. And he, and he says that these represent men. Okay. And so it's perfectly valid, perfectly uh, correct, according to this verse, to make this comparison and say that the, the people and their wealth, what they can contribute, like the wool of the sheep, or like the milk of the cows, or, you know, or the meat, of the bees. So these are the the products, the 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 you know the, the animals represent the people and what they produce represents what people can produce, the uh, productivity of society. And so it in it seems to me that this is a very valid application and uh, we'll we'll let you give your opinion on that uh, as I mentioned earlier to to let me know whether you think this is an a Bitcoin sermon or just BS. Okay, so so there you have it. What we've just done is we've taken a simple Bitcoin mantra of don't trust, verify. And we've seen how that is stated very clearly in the New Testament, that the Bereans were more noble because they examined the word daily to see whether the apostles' words were true. And we've seen it in the Old Testament, where it speaks of people, of men, as flocks and herds that were taken advantage of by the shepherds, and of God bringing justice and judgment to remove the old shepherds that were taking advantage of the flocks and not feeding them and and uh, bringing justice and taking the wealth from them and blessing his own people, his own flocks and herds. Okay, now that example of how Bitcoin agrees with the Bible in principle is, that, that was, I would say, more or less pretty obvious. Okay, I mean, not to, maybe not to everyone, but if you're a Christian and you know the Bible, a little bit, and you know a little bit about Bitcoin, then you can kind of put two and two together and make that connection, especially the don't trust verify part. I mean, that was pretty straightforward. And maybe uh, comparing the the flocks to the wealth, to the people and their wealth, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a stretch, you know, it wasn't a stretch. I think that's something that's very tangible that many people could come to. Don't you think? But what I want to really do in this podcast, uh, we're just getting started here, okay? But I think it's important that we kind of, you know, start slow and, and, and lay the foundation and kind of show you how this is, how this works, because, uh, you know, just to kind of set the groundwork. But um, what I really want to do in this podcast is go above and beyond what your, your, your kind of average Christian would be able to. Christians know that the Bible is the living word. Um, it's not like any other book. Um, you know, the more you read it and the more you uh, apply it 
the more you apply its principles to your life today, the more uh, the more it comes alive simply and uh, takes on new meaning. And uh, just as we see with the invention of Bitcoin, that uh, the Bible is taking on a whole new meaning now. Okay, you know, so in the past uh, about 11 years or so, I have been uh, studying in a special way uh, with, a, with a study group that has been really taking the Bible seriously and, and, and studying it in the context of the present day. And this is something that most churches don't do. They kind of have their tried and true uh, teachings, their tried and true uh, interpretations of the Bible, and um, they just, you know, more or less want to guard and protect the sacred truth. But very few churches are really actively trying to take the truth of the Word of God and bring it forward, bring it into uh, relevance with the present day and to really understand how God is working in the world today as written in his word. And so I was part of, of uh, well, I'm biased, but I was part of the best group in the world that was doing that and uh, for the past 11 years. And I have learned and seen amazing things uh, through that experience. And uh, when Bitcoin came into the picture, that just made it all the more amazing uh, to me. And so that's the that's the kind of uh, richness that I want to I want to bring to you in this podcast that you won't find anywhere else. And as part of this study group, actually, I've got to tell you this: you know, Bitcoin uh, started. Okay, the Genesis block. Uh, be, uh, you know, the first block was mined, and I believe it was January three, uh, two thousand and and nine, right? And um, it was that same year when the study of the heavens uh, really began began to come alive in a, in a special way. When the first um, discovery, uh, if you will, the first discovery of God's clock uh, was actually made in the heavens. Now, Bitcoin is a time chain, okay? And the clock in the heavens the judgment clock in the heavens, the clock of God in Orion, is uh, is obviously dealing with time. Okay, and interestingly, December 29, uh, right at the end of the year 2009, the same year that began with uh, the the Genesis block. Okay, at the end of that year, in fact, even the same distance, uh, it was January 3, so three days into the year, December 29 was you know, three days from the end of the year. Uh, you know, December has 31 days, so 29 to 31, that, that's three days from the end, just as January 3 was three days from into the year. So the same year that began with Bitcoin on Earth ended with the discovery of a clock in the heavens, okay? A heavenly clock uh, discovered in the heavens that began to uh, be a source of knowledge and uh, biblical understanding and understanding of the book of Revelation coming into our consciousness then. So I guess the point is right now, I just want to highlight the fact that there's a connection between Bitcoin and this particular, um, shall we say, series of discoveries or uh, chain of 
truth uh, that has uh, emerged from the heavens. Okay, and uh, and so that's what we're going to more or less explore uh, in this series, in this podcast. So, all right. So I, I I think I thought that was just kind of an important detail to 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 mention um, in this introductory episode. And so I want to dive right into that right right now in this first episode. So I want to give you a taste of where we're going to go and to really comment on cutting-edge topics in the Bible. And after all, Bitcoin is is, is a new, it's cutting-edge. And uh, so I think uh, you'll really appreciate uh, how, uh, you know, I, I hope you'll really appreciate the, the sharp edge that I try to convey here. So um, I want to take you to uh, the most recent article that uh, I just read uh, recently called Thy Kingdom Come. And uh, I guess I'll find a way to put a link uh, to that somewhere in this podcast uh, in, the, in the materials accompanying it. So um, uh, you'll be able to find that. But the point I wanted to make earlier is that the truth is always expanding Okay, and so, for example, when I read this new article, Thy Kingdom Come, it included new insights that, um, frankly, nobody had ever seen before. Brand new insights in the Word of God. And to me, also, it, uh, it gave brand new insights into Bitcoin's role in, the, in Bible prophecy, okay, in the coming of Jesus, ultimately. And, you know, and so just as Bible truth is expanding, you know, that's something, uh, you know, Bitcoiners can appreciate. Bitcoin truth is always expanding, too, in a sense that the blockchain is always growing. OK, the, the truth about the financial stand of the world in, in Bitcoin terms is always expanding. It's always growing. And, uh, you know, and frankly, that doesn't stop whether we like it or not. Okay, block after block keeps coming, and uh, you've got to keep pace with that. In the same way, uh, the light of God is growing, and we're going to try to keep pace with that as well. So, first off, uh, in, in this article, the article brought to the attention the statue in the dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. So, uh, just to refresh your memory, this comes from Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a statue and this statue had, it was composed of different metals. The head was gold. The uh, shoulders and arms were silver. The thighs were brass. And the legs were iron. And the feet were iron and clay mixed. Okay, and it might not be obvious at first sight, but it's pretty well known that these metals... Uh, represent value. Okay, gold is obviously the most valuable, and then the value decreases to silver, and then to bronze, and then to iron. Okay, iron is very plentiful, very common, all right? And then the clay mixed with iron. Clay is dirt. I mean, that's like as worthless as it gets. Okay, but um, now, so in the financial uh, sense, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with a decrease in the value of money, okay, conceptually. All right, now, the article doesn't necessarily uh, elaborate too much on that. I'm going to speak maybe a little bit more about that, but 
Um, but the article brings to the attention the stone that was cut out without hands, which struck the image at the feet, and uh, basically the entire statue was dissolved, and the stone grew into a mountain and filled the world. And basically, Christians have understood for centuries that this dream represents the coming of the kingdom of Christ. It represents the coming of Jesus. And, you know, he's the rock, okay? The rock cut out without hands because he came from heaven, okay? And his kingdom then grows and fills the earth, okay? But uh, the article does speak about the fact that this is, this, um, this picture in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which was obviously a dream from God, okay? God wanted to reveal to him the future through this dream, all right? And, you know, in particular, Nebuchadnezzar was, he was obviously uh, sort of infatuated with building a kingdom that would never end, okay? And you could see that later in his rebellion with the golden statue. So he wanted to build, he wanted the whole statue to be gold, because he didn't want it to deteriorate. He didn't want the kingdom to become less and less and less valuable. Uh, he wanted a kingdom that would endure forever. And so, and he understood, interestingly, he understood that the way to do that was to keep the money at its best, gold. It, it, that was the best he knew. Now we have Bitcoin, okay? But Bitcoin is not the gold in the statue, okay? Bitcoin is the stone, okay? It's the, the money of the kingdom of Jesus, all right? In the book of Revelation, which prophesies the coming of Jesus, it's through symbolic language, okay? And in the symbolism of Revelation, it speaks a lot about things happening in the heavens, okay? And those things are actually happening, okay? When, when you look up to the heavens, uh, when, you, when, you, uh, when you study the heavens, and uh, one of our favorite ways to do that is with a tool called Stellarium. It's an open source tool for, uh, for basically looking at the stars and, uh, you know, comets and planets and tracing their paths, and you can do all sorts of things with it. And um, we use this tool uh, to study the heavens. And in so doing, uh, we can actually see the things that are spoken of in the book of Revelation playing out in real time on the heavenly canvas. So one of the things that has just come to light and is just utterly amazing is the identification of this statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in the heavens. I don't want to spoil the article for you uh, too much, but uh, I'm going to let you read that. But basically the point is that the symbolism of the book of Revelation is playing out on that in the, in the heavens. And, um, and you can see that and you can go and don't trust, verify that yourself. But what I do want to talk about is this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw and how, um, you know, the Bible itself interprets the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And it shows that these metals uh, represented successive kingdoms, okay, all the way to, uh, down to the end of time. Since uh, leaving the gold standard, and this is something that Bitcoiners talk about often, since uh, leaving the gold standard, 
uh, the money has devalued uh, slowly but surely and in recent years uh, quickly and surely. <laughs> okay, and that follows the progression of the statue as well. Yeah, so the article, Thy Kingdom Come, that speaks about uh, this comet in the heavens that's actually tracing its way from the feet back up to the head, all right? And when this comet reaches the head is in about a year's time. But it, interestingly, that also coincides with the estimate of uh, the next Bitcoin halving. Okay, so um, I think that's kind of interesting too, that as we um, go into the last year uh, before the next halving, that that year actually coincides with uh, things that are uh, indicated in the heavens as well. So explore this more deeply on your own. I, I, I urge you, don't trust, verify. But, um, but what I want to really highlight in this uh, episode is the fact that as this is playing out in the heavens, this uh, depiction of the destruction of the statue of Nebuchadnezzar by this stone that was cut out without hands as this comet makes the way from the feet to the head, okay, representing the progression of the destruction from the time that the stone strikes the feet of the image uh, to the time that every successive layer of the sort of financial system of the world is destroyed, uh, you know, stage by stage. Yeah. So isn't that just an amazing prophecy of what we see in real life playing out right now as Bitcoin has come on the scene like the stone that's cut out without hands? In fact, you know, there's a famous um, poster, a Bitcoin poster that shows like the dinosaur banks and the the stone cut out without hands, literally the coming like an asteroid, like, a you know, as a fireball coming through into the atmosphere. You know, that's Bitcoin. And so even in the sort of memes, Bitcoin itself is recognized. It's depicted as the stone cut out without hands. Okay. And in the Bible, it's, it's, it's well recognized that this stone that grew into a great mountain represents the coming of Christ, represents his kingdom growing and filling the earth. Okay. So... Can you make any other conclusion then that then that Bitcoin is the money of God's kingdom, so to speak, or at least the best we have on earth, you know, till we reach heaven? So that should be a good argument, I think, you know, one of many that's coming, but kind of an overall theme that Bitcoin is God's money. That that should be something that urges not just encourages, but urges Christians to move to the Bitcoin standard because you want your money to be in the kingdom of God, not in the kingdom of the world. We'll elaborate on that more in future episodes. But today I just wanted to talk mainly about this image of Nebuchadnezzar. And isn't it amazing that uh, right now as we see the Collapse. I mean, we're seeing, you know, ever since, uh, you know, the Silvergate and, and uh, Silicon Valley banks collapsed earlier uh, this year, which, again, that's also mentioned in the article. Um, it's all, uh, there, there's a lot in there that uh, I think you'll find very interesting. And, uh, but isn't it amazing that since that has happened, um, you know, basically what we're seeing is the 
the collapse, the crushing of this image, the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw that represented the kingdoms of the world, the wealth of the kingdoms of the world that would be destroyed, as the dream shows, by a stone cut out without hands. We're seeing that play out in real life this year, 2023. Wow. I mean, it's just amazing to me. And Bitcoin obviously has a role in that, in a certain sense, as the stone cut out without hands. And this is where, you know, I have to really, you know, take a step back sometimes and say, okay, 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 wait a second. Jesus is the rock, okay? He is the savior, okay? Bitcoin is Bitcoin. And, you know, we don't want to be blasphemic, okay? But on the other hand, uh, you can't help but recognize that the things of God are divine, okay? And so if Bitcoin is the money of God's kingdom, then it's logical that there are significant parallels between Bitcoin and and Christ. Okay? It, you know, to put it another way, uh, who's, you know, whose face is on the money? It's always the king or the, you know, the leaders of the nation, right? So the money resembles the leadership. Okay? So if Bitcoin is the money of the kingdom of God, then it's only natural that there's a certain resemblance. Okay? There's a certain comparison, a certain, uh, you know, you, you, you can tell that that's his money, okay? So we shouldn't be too surprised when we see that Bitcoin really does fall into the, the role of, of, of bringing justice, as, as we've seen, bringing equity, bringing peace, bringing, bringing the things, bringing prosperity, bringing the things that Jesus promised would come with his kingdom, okay? Th that shouldn't be scary, or it shouldn't be too much of a surprise for us, okay? But at the same time, we need to keep a level head and know that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is Bitcoin, but Jesus is the Savior, and Bitcoin is the Savior's money. And therefore, it's so wonderful. It's so nice that El Salvador, the Savior, the country of El Salvador, was the first one to adopt Bitcoin as its uh, legal as legal tender, uh, you know, because it, it just shows in a practical, in, in a very literal, tangible way that Bitcoin is the money of the Savior, El Salvador. And so uh, I just think that's really nice. But, okay, so... I guess this is probably a good point to kind of aiming for an hour per episode here. So let's uh, let's wrap it up. So I'm really looking forward to delving deeper in upcoming episodes. I've got a lot of amazing topics lined up, but, you know, and we're just starting out. So, you know, I'm just kind of going to plug along here uh, at first. But I hope that... Um, We'll get some feedback soon. And even as you go back and listen to the old episodes, go ahead and, and, and comment and give your feedback on them. Because, yeah, because then uh, that'll be there for anyone else who comes after you. So, but uh, yeah, I just want to put it out there that uh, um, if you do have uh, particular questions uh, related to Bitcoin and uh, the Bible, uh, that you would uh, go ahead and make them known to me and uh through any of the available channels, and I'd like to be able to 
provide topics in, in, in a timely fashion uh, according to uh, what you're uh, particularly dealing with in your journey um, as a Christian Bitcoiner uh, or as a Christian or as a Bitcoiner, uh, whatever the case may be. And so I just wanted to make that available. Um, so I think that about wraps up our introductory episode. Um, and so now the time has come. <laughs> okay, well, okay, before I do that, just I want to say that if you have found value in this uh, in this episode, this is uh, essentially what I'm uh, trying to bring to you is value that you won't find anywhere else. And uh, if I have succeeded in that, then I would appreciate that you uh, share it with others. So let's just uh, leave it at that. And, and now the time has come for me to end this episode with the question that, uh, that I talked about earlier. And that is, what do you think? Was this top, was, were the topics today a Bitcoin sermon or was it all just a bunch of BS? You tell me. Have a great week.